welcome. You're listening to the Ace Podcast with me, Pete Pavides, um, broadcasting from the shed at the bottom of my garden uh, on a very sunny day. Uh, and uh, that's kind of an unfamiliar situation. Other things may be more familiar about this podcast. It's lovely to be speaking once again with Bob Stanley, who with Pete Wiggs has gathered together another uh, wonderful collection of songs um, which were made and also evoke the turn of the decade going from the 1960s into the 70s. And in his liner notes, I think Bob says of this collection that it attempts to evoke the turn of the new decade, the feel of a wet Saturday afternoon at the dawn of the 70s spent flicking through the racks, wondering whether to buy the new Tull album or maybe take a chance on that Christine Harwood LP in the bargain bin. Uh, so the first compilation, which came out last year, to a, a fanfare of a, a fanfare of ovations, a fanfare of acclaim, uh, was English weather. This one's called Occasional Rain. Uh, so, and I've got Bob here with me to talk about it. Music. Hi, Pete. Hi Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, you're. Yeah, I'm very well. So you're uh, you're up in. Uh, you're up in Yorkshire at the moment. Tell us what you can see from where you are. Um, well, I'm in my bedroom, so uh, I can see out the window and see the houses across the street. And that's that's about it, really. It's like a terrace street, two up, two downs, no no trees, front door onto the pavement. So um, yeah, you can see you can see our neighbours a lot, which is, which is obviously nice at the moment, but okay. uh, not much else. What are your neighbours like? Uh, lovely, actually. Um, yeah, I've uh, got a new neighbour on one side who's a, a lecturer at Sheffield University uh, and a young couple on the other side. One of them's an Altrincham fan. Right. Um, so he gets to talk about non-league football quite a lot, so that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. You've fallen on your feet there, really, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> neighbours that you could have. Yeah, that- oh, yeah. No, it's um, the neighbours we had before we moved out were, were like, you know, ridiculously nice and... Uh, when I had, we had damp in the cellar, they came around and fixed it for nothing because they just had the, the gear to do it from their cellar. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, beyond the call of Doodah. <laughs> beyond the call of Doodah is possibly the name of an album by a, a band <laughs> that could exist on this record. What would So do your neighbours know that, it, that part of what you do for a living is is put together these these kind of quite specialist um sort of compilations of of kind of of, of music such as uh, such as occasional rain um if you tried to explain what you did to the layperson what would you say how would you put it um that's that is a good question i i i don't know i don't think i do know i mean i, I say I'm a, I'm a writer um and occasionally i say i'm in a group because there are things that are easy to get a handle on um I, mean, I suppose I could say I work for a record label. That might make more sense. Um, but no, I mean, the, uh, the guy next door is the Altrincham fan. He's, um, he's got a set of drums in the cellar and he likes um, he likes metal, but metal in a sort of modern way. So it doesn't sound anything like metal to me. Um, quite oh. sort of ambient sounding. Um, well, and uh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah next door, I, 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 I don't know, we've never... I thought I was doing a book on the fall, and she went, "Oh, yeah, well, that's my youth. That is." So, um, well, <laughs> haven't, haven't pursued that any further. But she uh, she knows who the fall now, so that's, that's good. But no, you, I haven't explained about the compilations to them. No. 
do you ever get people saying you can put that in your piece or you can put that in your article sometimes uh yeah not not very often um but i tend to <laughs> i just pinch what other people say if i hear a good story sometimes we're a good yarn i'll tend to borrow it anyway Keegan, does any... unless they're unless they're another writer in which case obviously that'd be properly stealing <laughs> if, if you did it i wouldn't i wouldn't put it in a piece well, if you kind of ran it by me first that would be absolutely fine. oh yeah no of course of course i would in that in that instance and even if you didn't you know it's all fine really i don't care <laughs> um, uh so um so this is well the the you know had a had english weather not been such a huge success then occasional rain wouldn't exist. So the measure of the success of English weather is that we're now looking at this kind of counterpart volume um, of, of, of more songs that evoke that period of uncertainty as one very optimistic, colourful, unprecedented decade gave way to another which had yet to sort of reveal its true colours, or lack of them. Yeah, yeah, lack of colours. I think uh, lots of or- orange and brown, mm. really. Um, yeah, it's... Um... I said, I mean, I can I can remember the period. Uh, I mean, sixty nine to seventy, I, I was I was very small, but I mean, I can remember, um, you know, hearing hearing the music on on the radio, like if Anne Nightingale was on in the afternoon or something, um, in the car maybe. Yeah. I'm seeing hippies sat on Box Hill. Cause I grew up in Surrey, um, so I, I can remember it. So I can remember a, a kind of the, the, the general feeling. From a, from a child's perspective, anyway, of um, how it felt, and um, and when uh, when I was becoming aware of, uh, of of pop music and what was in the chart, and I knew, and I found out, you know, that you know, Paul McCartney, John Lennon were having solo hits, and the Rolling Stones were around, and and just to, they were always talked about in terms of like it wasn't as good as it was when they were younger, uh, or you know, the solo records obviously weren't as good as the Beatles or whatever. So I remember the kind of like feeling of uh like something had, something was missing or something had been lost yeah um and even in, in, you know because it's i think it's, it's very easy to forget that looking back uh music from 1971 or 72 there's so much good music and so many great records that that really is lost um unless unless you remember it uh mm-hmm. you, you'd never you'd never know that people were just waiting for the new beatles constantly that's like what people are either hoping the beatles would reform or that there would be, you know, T Rex were the obvious example of the new Beatles, and it and it, and it didn't sustain. All the, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at the newspapers, it's just constantly, you know, Beatles to reform, Beatles. Or the other thing was, uh, is Elvis going to come to Britain this week, this month? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the two things that were just obsessing people. Yeah. But you had, as you say, you had this uh, vacuum where the people were most willing someone to be Beatles like, uh, do something Beatles like in that vacuum. Mm. And I think the, and the other thing was just uh, following the Beatles' path of just constant innovation um, is something else that you had around this time. That's what these records reflect because people are trying to find the, the new direction uh, by using folk or jazz or psychedelia or whatever, um, throwing a lot of things into the pot and coming up with this um, actually quite specific sound. Yeah. Uh, with with you know sort of flutes or string quartets or um, obviously sort of virtuoso guitar 
playing and, and really good drummers. I think the drummers on a lot of these things, a lot of these records are, are yeah, terrific. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. But I before, actually, before we get into the specifics of that, I think you mentioned it's no coincidence that brown was the, the sort of colour du jour of that day because if you mix all the colours together, you get brown. And so... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's sort yeah, of like, that's a good point. That's just true. So that's kind of a, you know, everyone's sort of trying everything. You're right about it. There are some, there are some incredibly sort of brilliant. You get, you get this like, this sort of, um, you get it on sort of on the Cressida. There's a song by a group called Cressida um, mm. on the compilation, which is fantastic. Home and where I long to be, and you get that sort of, it's a sort of grooviness that isn't really talked about very much, but it's like, you know. Groups like Pentangle had happened, and you know, and you and sort of you had things like, you know, and and bands like Traffic were were kind of really having that, bringing that rhythmic looseness to the pot. Yeah, you have something like the Cressida Trap, which has got this brilliantly groovy sort of rhythm. Jackson, so just like they they've jazzed their sensibilities, and they can't. You can't even if you held a gun to their heads now, they couldn't unjazz themselves. It's been <laughs> released. It's been released into their music. Mm. Yeah, we Cresta are a really interesting group because I think they, they came out of um, – I, I can't think of their managers were. I put it in the sleeve notes. But it basically had like pop management um, and, and they had really good tunes. And right. I think they, they, they were influenced by the Moody Blues, but also, yeah, by jazz. Mm. Um, and just did these two albums which are full of like really strong melodies and are both now worth a stupid amount of money, so I haven't got either of them. But um, – yeah, I mean, they really, they don't sound like anybody else, and they, they, yeah. they have this very lovely, loose groove to their sound. You're, you're right, it's, uh, yeah, but but also really strong, strong melodies. It's amazing, and you know, roundabout. I guess not, <clears throat> I think 1972 was maybe the last year that you know that major record labels were just you know it's very easy to to get on to get your record released by major label while sounding sort of quite esoteric it was like the gold rush wasn't quite over yet so you would have you know even you know i mean on this record alone you've got so you know so so many kind of quite these odd sounding records that were kind of you know i think pete brown for instance that was on harvest wasn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, Pete Brown had so many bites of the cherry. He's about four, four albums, five albums. Yeah, um, and, and uh, every time the band would either leave him or he'd sack them immediately afterwards, like sort of a proto Kevin Rowland or something. Yeah. So um, people, people that don't know, Pete, Pete Brown was best known for being the lyricist with Cream, <clears throat> and then from there on in, he had, as you say, he had a number of incarnations, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So battered ornaments and. Piblocto, which I've never said out loud before. I presume it's pronounced Piblocto. I can't see how else it would be pronounced. It just reads Piblocto. Yeah. It has to be. But, um, um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the song on this uh, is uh, called Station Song Platform 2, and it's really it's, it's really cool. lovely. And he's got, a really, he's got a lovely voice on it as well, which I think they're, they're yeah. a, bit more, a bit more experimental. His stuff's a bit more sort of jazz freak out experimental sometimes. But... Um, he lives two streets away from me, Bob. So I was going to say, I knew he lived in Crouch End. But I didn't know he was that close to you. Um, he does. I see him. I see. I see him quite regularly, about two streets away from you. So I've narrowed it down to wow. that <laughs> specific area. And he, um, yeah, I should. I next time I'll stop it. I often see him kind of near the, near the health food shop in uh, Crouch End, uh, the Healing Centre. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> 
people who don't know, it's uh, who don't live in Crouchend, the Healand Centre is spelled in a kind of cod Celtic sort of way. So it's H A E L A N, which uh, I struggle with. I have got to say, um, yeah, but I assume uh, it's a pun, but I don't know. It feels on, like on healing with an apostrophe. Yeah, but a, a sort of a, Kel, a Celticized kind of pun, a kind of meaninglessly Celticized pun, I sort of struggle with, I've got to say. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful song, Station Song, Platform 2. Was there a matter, was it Was it with a lot of these tracks, I imagine there must have been an awful lot of sort of scouring through albums that weren't uniformly great, but looking for that one just sweet spot, which you know which you know just which natural home was an album like this um yeah sometimes i mean quite a lot of the albums are, are pretty solid to be honest with that that song was um recommended to me by my friend pete selby who i did some albums for sainsbury's with um and he he, he recommended that to me I, I would probably not have listened to uh um a pete brown album expecting to hear anything that would fit on one of these albums but uh yeah. So that's sort of hat tip there. Um, I don't really look at looking at track listing. Um, a, a lot of these are, are really good albums. Uh, Catherine Howe album, I think, uh, is probably one of the better known obscure ones because it's mm-hmm. a sort of thousand pounds fo- female folky album. Uh, Tonton McCoot album is, is great, um, which is pretty straight ahead jazz rock, I suppose, with a lot of flute yeah. on it. Uh, and the Iggin Bottom album, who are, who are I might actually bump into members of Igginbottom because they're from Bradford. So oh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I bump into them in the co-op but don't realise it. Well, that's um, a, I, I'm very fond of the Igginbottom track. Um, yeah, that whole album is terrific. It's it's really, really good. And again, it's you know it's maybe some two, £250 or something, so uh, I might <laughs> eventually find a cheap copy around here. Um, of a relative yeah. of theirs or something. Yeah, they might, they might be locally um, uh, abundant. Uh, mm. Uh, Michael Chapman albums are great. Um, the the Cressida have already said. Mandy Moore album is terrific. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they probably are. The, the cloud, the clouds track. Um, I'm not not a massive fan of theirs. I mean, it did uh, <clears throat> I think it did three albums, which even by the standards of the day are quite sort of um, uh, brown sounding, I suppose, or a bit grey sounding, <laughs> given the name of the group. Uh, but this this one track was um, just on a compilation that came out about 10 years ago. It was unreleased, and it's um, it's terrific. It's got like a very muted string arrangement, which sounds very dramatic, but it's pushed right back in the mix. And as we were saying earlier, the drums are really up front, so it's, um, yeah. it's got a very tense, tense, tense sound. It's uh, it's an amazing song. Um, it's really good. It, it, First song I'd heard by the – apart from I'd heard – a much earlier song by them, which was on an Ireland compilation, but not one that was released in this country. I think it was a German Ireland compilation. Oh, right. Uh, it's called Make No Bones About It. I don't know if you know. But it's, no, no. It's sensational. It's just uh, – but that had a kind of slightly more streamlined kind of pop sensibility about it. Whereas oh, okay. This is a full kind of uh, detour into kind of heavy, relative heaviness. Um I would have said, knowing you as I, as I do, that, that 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 kind of slightly heavier side of the album is sort of representative of a sort of music that maybe even like ten years ago you might have possibly passed over. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of this stuff I would I would um, not have listened to ten years ago, I suppose. Um, 
what happens oh. what happens to us that this that we sort of suddenly kind of come to understand these areas of music that we might have been hostile to previously how I do think, we I, don't, I think it's has just broadened don't it because there's still there's still quite a lot of stuff where I'll I'll try it periodically and still don't get it um I'm trying to think of who now and like uh I still don't I still don't really get steely dan i think they're fine but i don't understand why people make such a fuss about them but um you know things like that it's uh there's, there's always going to be but i mean uh, the stuff I'm, i pulled out a pile of things i've been listening to recently because obviously I've been stuck in a lot hmm. um mickey newbury um is someone i probably should listen to years ago and i, and I did i mean I've, I've tried with mickey newbury a few times and it just suddenly clicked um when when lockdown started i think it made it kind of made sense because it sounds a a very very indoorsy sound with all, all the tracks for yeah. the first his first album looks like rain is the one i've been playing a lot okay. um, it's it's absolutely wonderful and it's you know it's, it, do, it does take a lot of a lot of listeners to get to really get into it but all the, all the tracks are linked by rain sound apparently because um he records it in a way that there was a bit of tape hiss between the tracks and just covered it up with rain sound um, but it sounds it sounds amazing it's yeah um, it's, uh, it's it's a fantastic album it's not been reissued in its own right i think it's it's on a box set uh i can't think what it's called now um of these first four albums that might yeah. sort of rhino put out 10 years ago but um yeah it's it's it's, it's a really really wonderful album bill callahan is a obsessive mickey newbury fan i think that makes sense yeah and uh so okay that that makes it yeah you know and it, uh any any so you mentioned steely dan earlier on is there <laughs> Intend so is anyone anyone any kind of anyone who just you just think I can live to be two hundred and that's just that's just something I'll never warm to. Um, no, I, I I don't like thinking like that. Um, I mean, well, apart, apart from stuff, I just think is is plain bad. But I mean, um, a lot of a lot of jazz, which is saxophone led, I just don't really like the sound of the saxophone. So I'm kind of stuck there. I just, I just don't like it if it was harpsichord or flute lit or something maybe i'd love it but um i think it was you know, i think once compared pharaoh the sound of pharaoh sanders to sweep having some kind of meltdown um, uh, yeah yeah it's um it makes me sound like an anti-intellectual which i, I, I don't really want to sound like but it's, no, pharaoh sanders is one of those people where you, you it's just like you know you can't you can't say you don't like him because people are just like look at you askance you know yeah, I did sort of like I once. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think you can uh, I think you can give yourself as a music writer. I think you can give a, yourself a quota in any given year of things you can say, which <laughs> sort of are just like uh, you know, like say for instance, comparing Ferris Anders to Sweep because it's just funny apart from anything else. And uh, and so I think you know I think the one year the one year the the, the kind of the, the, the comparable thing I allowed myself to say, I uh, I had to refer to Sun Ra in some context, and I just said that it sounded like insurrection in a cutlery drawer, and uh, <laughs> and I think that's you know you're allowed one a year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sun Ra is is is, is one of those people. I, I, he's, there's so much to listen to. Um, he is, and I, you I know, tend to like his early, his earlier stuff, which people don't really talk about much, which is more straightforward. I, I kind of much prefer, but um, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And what happened years later? I was in a record shop. I heard something I liked, and it was Sun Ra. And yeah, 
there that will teach you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like you can't ever say said the boys you don't in, like something. But it didn't sound the bit I heard didn't sound like insurrection in a cutlery draw. So uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny how like things change as well, isn't it? Because you know, you sort of. Uh, you know, it's like you never hear people say they like Talk Talk's early stuff, and I love those later Talk Talk albums, but it's almost like there is just this silence around the early work of Talk Talk. And I just think it's fantastic if you go back to it, and, you know, it's just they sound like, you know, like so many groups at the time, they sound like, you know, four, later three very eccentric musicians with very particular tastes trying to sort of fit it trying to make pop music and i quite like i like that you know that tension is fantastic when you have people sort of trying almost despite themselves to kind of make commercial music that's some of my very favorite music of all time has that tension at the mm. core well like 10 cc or someone maybe yeah yeah you know just sort of Clever or sometimes esoteric people just sort mm. of trying trying to sort of fit in, trying to sort of almost, you know, just trying to wear pop colours and doing it with the sincere intent, but just something's not quite, you know, they're just not quite pulling it off in a really interesting way, you know. Mm. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. It's uh, people people attempt to do something and not quite getting there, but it, it works anyway. Is uh, totally is, is always good. Um, no, I don't. I don't know the first two talk talk albums. I, I, mean, I remember the, the hits, and yeah. thought they sounded a bit, a bit like Blue Zoo or one of those sort of groups at the time. So, yeah, uh, I like it's my life, but I mean, I, it, they sound so little like what came after. Uh, mm. Maybe maybe there's really good album tracks on the first two albums. I, w- I wouldn't know. There are a few. I mean, there were sort of certainly. Well, the first single, Mirror Man, which may as well be an album track because no one knows it, has got. You know, it sounds very anguished and kind of. Um, it's, it has this kind of a. Uh, you know, it just it's it's just not fitting in very well. So you mentioned a group like Blue Zoo or like I don't know Jimmy the Hoover or those sorts of groups. Mm. So you never stood a chance sounding like any of those groups. It's just far, you know, it's far too kind of emotionally heavy music to sound like that. And there's an amazing song I think maybe on their second album, possibly, could be wrong, called "Call in the Night Boy," which has got. You know those kind of lovely kind of early Roxy musicish bass lines, which slightly go against the rhythm, and uh, and just kind of like remind you of kind of going through a a kind of long tunnel on a, tunnel on a European motorway at three in the morning. You know that kind of quality. You know, mm. uh, very European sounding music. Yeah, um, sounds good. Anyway, that's we'll part that. for the time being. That's another compilation. That's not this compilation. This compilation is. Uh, I want to ask you about a few more things. I mean, I, I, much, this uh, Mandy Mortra. I, I know the album that it came from, uh, but I probably the reason I probably know the album is because of the first time I ever heard a Mandy Moore track was when you included one of her songs on the the compilation album you and Pete did, "The Trip." Mm. Uh, and this, so you've returned to that. This is come to come with me to Jesus. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's quite next. What do we know about Mandy Moore? Um, I, it's embarrassingly, I've uh, I've got the compilation, well, the the, the the album and all the demos on a CD in in London, which I can't get at, um, which has got her story in it, and I can't remember anything oh, okay. about it. It's I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. I feel really. Uh, 
don't want to talk about lockdown, but um, you know, all, all my books and records basically are still in London, so I can't I can't get to any of them. Um, so I, d- I did know about Mandy Moore, but I've forgotten. I, I think there's something. Um, oh, she became an actor. She sort of like okay. Well very, I think she became a, um, a very well respected theatre actor um, in the ensuing years. But I think what I was grasping at, I guess, is this. Uh, you often find it to be the case, don't you, where people that make these kind of like fantastic eccentric records are frequently touched with genius. And, you know, there are no more kind of classic examples of that than, than you know, Mandy Moore's, but that is me. And uh, and often the people that make those records almost feel like they regard these things as sort of juvenilia, just that they something a strange thing that they did when they were young, and they don't really think about it too much. And I don't I don't know if this is exactly the case with Mandy Moore, but I think you know. So I think the Christine Harwood is also on this record, and her her album "Nice to Meet Miss Christine" goes for hundreds and hundreds of pounds now. But she's around, and I don't think she particularly kind of. I get the impression she doesn't want to be reminded of this particular part. No, I think she's been, I think people have tried to approach her to interview her and she's not interested. Um, But yeah, the Mandy Moore, I think what I remember about the Mandy Moore notes is that none of them really gave a clue as to how she arrived at the the style she's got, because it's, it's really odd. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is, is Kate Bush really, which Mm. obviously it's, um, it's six years before Kate Bush's first album. So, um, But it's, it's got that kind of, it's very English, uh, slightly theatrical, um, but very intense. I mean, she does yeah. God Only Knows on the album, and like it's, it's almost impossible to cover that. And it's the only cover version that's worth listening to. It's, it's, it's a great version, because she just does it in a completely different way, and it's very light on its feet and yeah. twice the speed of the original, uh, which is... It's, um, it's it's a really nice version, but yeah, that, yeah, that whole album is is, is amazing, um, and the singles as well. The singles are worth picking up, which had like sort of B sides that aren't on the album, and, hmm. which I don't think I think go for very much either. Yeah, it's always worth looking at discogs for singles. Often, I, th- I think often singles are quite cheap by these bands. Mm. Yeah. You know, albums go for hundreds of pounds of money. I think a lot of the reason is it just doesn't occur to people to check and see whether or not there are singles by them in existence. Um, but actually, you look at them and you sort of you get you know sometimes you might pay I know, thirty pounds for a single by that that's taken from an album that goes for eight hundred pounds, and they come through the post and you open them, you think, well, um, this is clearly made probably not even more than a thousand of these were made because I've never seen one in my life. Yeah never see one again so it's always good to look at on discogs isn't it at sort of single releases but you know for instance i don't know if you know off the top of my head i don't know if say matching mole released any singles but the now that this has occurred to me after this conversation has ended i'm going to go on discogs and see if i can find some singles by matching mole <laughs> I yeah, look- oh, oh caroline was a single but uh oh well there you have it uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if the B side was. I don't think. I think it's just off the album. I can't remember. I yeah, sometimes the B side is like an unreleased song, and then that's even better. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a magic more B side called Coffee Cups, which is as good as anything on the album. It's really lovely. Oh, is that on the reissued? Uh, is that on the extra record when it was reissued? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 there's like tons of demos and unreleased bits on that. So all, all the all the extra singles were on there. Very good. Okay, and. Uh, it was good to finally sort of see, you know, yes, take their rightful place 
on on the track listing of an album such as this because I think for a lot of people, yes, I've kind of very much enmeshed with this particular period of time and the mood that it evokes. Um, was it always going to be? Because you came to you came to yes very late, didn't you? Yeah, it was just. Um... Buffalo 66, it's uh, Vincent Gallo's fault, I think. I, I watched that, and uh, <laughs> like, like uh, at least two other people I know, probably quite a lot of people, got to the end and thought, well, the, the music in that was amazing. What was it? Oh, the entire <laughs> thing was by Yes. I would never have guessed. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Yes, I think I just thought I knew what it sounded like a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, something like Close to the Edge. I love Close to the Edge now, but it's, um, it's very, very dense and... Uh, um, no, nothing like the song on, on this compilation, which is Sweetness off the first album, which is... Uh, it's just gorgeous, though, isn't it? Isn't it yeah, sweet? it's a really, really beautiful song. It's, you can't... You, you could, I could be surprised if you played that to anyone that they didn't like it. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, the other the other revelation for me was this Mother Hoople song I'd never heard before called Waterloo, which is this very sort of personal kind of soul-wrenching con- sort of quite confessional song about it appears to be about kind of taking his son from a, a, a relationship that's no longer extant uh, to Waterloo Park in Highgate. Is that right? If I yeah. yeah, I think he just talks about that maybe maybe in his in, um, Diary of a Rock and Roll Star. I can't think where I read it, but I, I definitely read that. Yeah, he'd split up with his girlfriend and I had a kid and so he used to push the kid around in a push chair in Waterloo Park and it would make him feel very melancholy. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I can't think where I first heard it or who would have told me about it, but there aren't many more the Hoople songs that would fit on this album. Um, and it, it could have fitted on um, Tea and Symphony as well. It's, got, it's quite sort of Baroque, very uh, sort of chamber pop, really. Um, but a very, very, uh, very minor key. It's um, it's lovely. It's, it's off an album called Wildlife, which is... Um, it's got a couple of other um, quite low-key songs which are really nice as well, but generally they were quite uh, not dissimilar to the way they sounded when they had hits, really. That's fantastic. And they're sort of, again, you know, I guess, it, you know, if you, if you actually think about what's on the record, there is quite a diversity of songs, albeit within that kind of broad milieu that you've sort of set out the demarket, the kind of perimeters of. But there was a there's a there's a fantastic song called Nutmeg Bittersweet by the brilliantly named Gra- Granny's Intentions, who were from Limerick. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think they might be based in Dublin. Um, mm. but yeah, maybe from Limerick originally. Um, I think Gary Moore was in them for a bit, but he's not on this record. It's great. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not group because they had like uh, they did a Wayne Bickerton song called Never an Everyday Thing, which is just total bubblegum, uh, which a few, a few other people did. And I think they had a hit with that in Ireland. But uh, mm. their album is stylistically all over the place. So I can see why they didn't sell any copies. But, yes, this is one one track that's um, a sort of flute-led instrumental. It's, it's, it's great. It's um, it's quite yeah, it's sort, of like a, sort of like a slightly poppier Jethro Tull, I suppose. And it's great that you know, it's just like you start a band, you, you call them the intentions, and you think what what do we need to really break through? Well, I know we'll change our name to Granny's Intentions, which is a it's quite an obtuse thing to do, isn't it? It is. I, I like I like um, something I put in the notes. I think the last few gigs they because there's so many lineup changes are called Granny's New Intentions, which <laughs> is very very Spinal Tap, but also sounds slightly sinister. <laughs> Fantastic. And you um. 
You're talking earlier on about um, you mentioned Mickey Newbury as someone who makes particular sense in a situation when where you can't go out as much and you're slightly more restricted and you're indoors a lot more. Have you sort of found that what you've been listening to has sort of changed lately, or maybe not so much? Um, I can't really tell. It's just some, some things just seem to suit suit the mood. So I mean, I'm not sure if I'd have been listening to him if anything was different. But I think like longer. Longer sort of thematic things I've been listening to generally. So that's probably the fact that every day is exactly the same. It's probably something to do with being able to sit down and say it's 25 minutes long. Um, I've got um, an album uh, called by Peter Hall, who I don't know anything about, but I guess he was a sort of a slightly modern classical composer, um, mm. which was commissioned by Bracknell Newtown when Bracknell Newtown was being built. And it was he wrote this thing to be performed live. Uh, and then they released a record of it uh, called The Estates and The New Town Suite. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really good. It's, it goes for a bit of money, but uh, I right. found one in Oxfam in uh, Harpenden, weirdly, um, <laughs> just, before, uh, just before lockdown. I've been laughing one for years. So oh, wow. Please, but it's, um, it's great. It's, uh, if you like sort of um, – it's not, 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 it doesn't sound like Basil Kirchin, but I think if you like Basil Kirchin and stuff, it – it would probably it probably work for you. It's um, yeah. That reminds me. I, one thing I've been do, one thing I have been doing, Bob, just sort of um, which is maybe maybe kind of connected with um, what's going on is. Uh, but I've kind of slightly slightly watching. I've been nurturing an ongoing obsession with location, 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 and uh, I don't know if it's a program you've ever seen. Um, I'm pausing there so you can tell yeah, me. Yeah, I have seen it. I mean, I've seen it while I was waiting for Countdown to start or something, I think. Okay, right. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, but on location, 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 you have music all the way through. So, you know. Oh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when, um, so you've got like, so, you, you know, so like, so in, in the bit, you know, on to property two and uh, we're off to Berkhamsted which is a, a beautiful uh, small town in Hertfordshire, which has got a canal running through it. And then the music gets quite optimistic and intrusive. And then, and then when they're thinking about which house they're going to make an offer for, then you have some kind of pensive guitar music, which can then sort of explode into ecstasy, just as uh, the phone call from the estate agents coming through. And then they're told potentially that they're anyway, it's very, um, I've been thinking about that. Um, the way um, if it's actually, you know, a lot of thought has gone into that music. And I've just been thinking about what if it was like, you know, what if you did something like you might have done a hundred years ago where you kind of gave, get, you, you put it on in a theater uh, or in a, with a live, with a live orchestra playing music. <laughs> Just like uh, and um, and you had like and and you had you put a particular episode of location 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 in surround sound five point one surround sound, so everything was really exaggerated, and and you took the music off the actual kind of program and you had you scored it and so you had the orchestra sort of playing it and then and then obviously. And then there's a bit, there's a kind of over, there's a bit that they do in the editing suite afterwards where, um, where like 
um, Kirsty Orsop and Phil Spencer are sub- having a pretend conversation with each other. Uh, well, I don't know if your attempts to sell house number two to that young couple really worked, Kirstels. And then Kirst- Kirsty will say, "Well, you might well say that, Phil, but when I get involved, we'll see who's you know." And so, and then so they come on stage in the live uh, with microphones, and they kind of re- they enact that little bit of banter between them uh, while the orchestra is playing it all the time. And I just think it would be astonishing. I think it would be just overwhelming. It would be an overwhelming sensory experience, which would allow you to look at this episode of Location, Location with the same kind of detachment and fascination that people in 50 years' time will look at all episodes of Location, Location, Location. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's um, <clears throat> Yeah, that sounds... I'd, I'd, I'd go and see that, definitely. Do you think we could get Arts Council funding for it or something? <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah, you probably could. I mean, it's, it's, it definitely sounds like a, a happening more than a regular concert, but um... it would be a, it would be total happening. Yeah, I mean, next uh, go on go on on demand when you get a quiet moment, which will probably be never, but never mind. Um, and um, and then just watch five minutes of location, 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 and pretend all the music you hear is being played live in the orchestra pit, feet. Yeah away from you of course you know depending on how things go we may never get a chance to have that experience but you know that's off so that's what i've been doing you didn't ask me but i'll tell you anyway <laughs> i mean that's uh, i don't know if um that's the kind of thing that should happen at meltdown really i think yes. whereas meltdown is always very uh, to, to, to me it always seems very safe where you can kind of predict the kind of people are going to ask and the kind of people who are going to get picked but that's the kind of thing that, yeah. that should, should be at meltdown well, when you get asked to do Meltdown, just remember that and, you know, we can uh, make yeah, it. And steal your idea, as I was saying earlier, without consulting you. I'm giving you my idea, Bobby. I'm giving you my idea. It's not, no one else wants it. <laughs> so, um, so it's been mainly that. Anything else that you've kind of listened to lately that's kind of sort of made you, you know, in, in, a, in a slightly different context as kind of, Sort of tickled your fancy? Um, well, I've been listening to Isn't That Where We Came In? Uh, isn't This Where We Came In? The Lionel Bart album, which I, I know you've got a copy um, of. You, you, you gave me the, my copy um, <laughs> as a present, so I know, you, I know you're familiar with it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I've, I've been, been listening to that because I've been reading, um, reading his biography. Um, I've been flicking between that and the Sammy Davis Jr. biography, which are both, um, yeah, just like these people's lives are just astonishing and it's hard to think of anybody around at the moment who's you know well certainly with Lionel Barr is re- you know relatively in the background because he was just a yeah uh, a, a composer and uh, wrote musicals so it's kind of the equivalent of Rogers or Hull or Hammerstein or someone but um yeah his, his, his life's just incredible um there's a, there's a bit where he when he first went to America on, on the back of the success of Oliver and uh, in Hollywood they were like obviously saying you can have whatever you want and people have been quite obsequious. So he literally did ask for whatever, you know, he, he asked for a, I can't, what, can't think what flash car it was. Then he asked for a giant teddy bear to be permanently in the passenger seat. I think the, the, the line, the, where they finally drew the line was he wanted um, headed notepaper for the teddy bear, his own sort of personal notepaper. Um, so it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's just loads, loads of amazing stories. You're, um, so that may, that that creates some common ground between him and Matt Goss, who famously um, booked um, 
um, a first-class uh, seat on Concord for a giant teddy bear that he was bringing back from America and only had it explained to him later on that he, he was ultimately paying for that first-class seat for a giant teddy bear to sit next to him on Concord. <laughs> Anyway, you're mentioning um, Sammy Davis Jr. reminded me of a great... I mean, I don't know when people are going to be listening back to this, but um, uh, just for the record, it's Thursday the 21st of May, 2020, 17.58 is the time. And uh, and today was... Uh, and I, I, I mentioned this because today possibly was the... Um, and uh, I was reminded by Sammy Davis Jr. Today was the, the tweet, one of the most extraordinary tweets I've ever seen, posted by uh, on by the Simply Red Twitter account, um, which is Mick Hucknall, obviously. Uh, did you did you did this come to your attention? No, I haven't seen this. No, this is great. Top five coolest cultures on planet Earth. Number one, African Americans. They invented cool. Number two. Working-class British musicians. Number three, a close third, Jamaicans. Number four, four, Jewish Americans. Uh, Number five, flamenco gypsies. That's it. That's it. Now we know. Mick Hartnell's tweet. And... uh, so I, I was saying, when I read that, I was thinking about Sammy Davis Jr. the other day because he's he's like two he's two of those. So he he's like the coolest person. <laughs> yeah. So he's both African Americans and Jewish Americans. So he's in a num- He's like Frankie. Frankie goes to Hollywood. He's got two entries in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's wow. That's quite a, that's quite a tweet, isn't it? Imagine, 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 just sort of you're right. You just you're Mick Hucknall. I mean, you've you've been thinking about you. Cle- he's clearly been thinking about it for a while. You don't just come out with a top five like that, and uh, and then you just you you write the list and you share it yeah. with the world. And then Flame- flamenco gypsies. Good that he specified what the specific gypsies that he thinks are cool. Is that, is well, that a type of gypsy? Flamenco gypsy. Seemingly, Not flamenco mean, music playing gypsies. Is that what he? I mean, it's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you know, sort of. Um, is is there? Um, David Essex wouldn't wouldn't fit into that category, then, I guess. It's, no, 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 afraid uh, not. Sorry, I'm, Essex. I'm a big, big fan of David Essex. So. Well, no, he's not in mix list. I'm I'm not in mix list either. Obviously, <laughs> half <laughs> half Greek, half British. But that's not. We don't. I'm. You know. I just sort of, I just declare myself to the authorities, Mick. I don't want to trouble you anymore. I'll, <laughs> I'll take care of myself. So there you go. That's, uh, imagine, imagine just writing that. Has it yeah, gone down? Yeah. Had a very polarised response that tweet. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised. What who came in sixth? What do you think? What do you think Mick, Mick would have? That's a I, don't know, I don't know. What, I don't know what Mick would think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I know. I know. South Americans of some kind. I think uh, South Americans who, uh, who the South Americans who um, influenced me to write Fairground, uh, thus giving me my last number one hit single. Yeah, only only number one hit single. Was that there? Is that? Uh, I, think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Actually, yeah. So, I think it's, I think it's worn well. It seemed like such a incredibly cheeky thing to do at the time because it was just like a very blatant. Just basically singing over the top of "Give It Up" by the Good Men, um, which had been a hit about a year earlier. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's all he did, really. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, I liked it at the time. It sounded like just the most euphoric sound you could ever make with tea trays, and um, and I remember playing it en route to somewhere where I was picking up my sister-in-law from the station, and she was a student and she was very cool, and I was just I peaked coolness-wise some years previously, and. uh, she was appalled, but she was trying to be polite, but I could see that she was appalled in the rearview mirror. <laughs> ah, fair, fair enough. There we go. Um, so um, what's next then? Are we? So do you, I feel like you're, constantly, you're like three compilations ahead at any given time. Um, yeah, but they, they, they always take a, a while to, to come together. So, um, um, again, I'll say uh, thanks to Liz at Ace for – doing the clearance on these things, which is mm. e- easily the hardest bit about it, and I wouldn't have a clue where to start. So yeah. I'll, just, I'll just give her a sort of dream track listing, and, and she'll normally manage to clear 90 95% of it, which is yeah, right. amazing, amazing, really, uh, yeah. having having sort of done work at other record labels in the past where, like, it's just like, nope, you can't do that. You don't find out why. You just you can't do it. Oh, my God, she got a Sinatra track for you, of, you know, on for State of the Union. That's- yeah, yeah, and, and the Beach Boys on the same one. Um, yeah. So really dealing with two of the oh. probably toughest people you could possibly deal with there, I think. Yeah. It's amazing. Fantastic. Um, but so, so, yeah, know- so the ne- ne- next up is um, there's a, cu- a couple uh, which are, going to be coming out well i think it's three coming up for the end of the year i'm not sure which ones i should talk about there's one called um 76 in the shade which is uh basically a soundtrack for summer 1976 uh so obviously most of the tracks are from 1976 with a right yeah a, a handful of uh, slightly earlier ones which you could have heard in 1976 um but it's it's all it's all very lethargic um suffering from sunstroke sounding music if that makes sense so it's quite it's quite a varied track listing um and will hopefully make, again make sense when you listen to it like english weather and occasional rain too um because if you look at the track listing it's got trying to think who's on it now it's got um is it is, uh, it is it british or british and american from all over it's, it's, no, it's, it's british and american uh yeah. mostly so it's got jefferson starship and the emotions and gilbert o'sullivan and uh, Shuggy Otis are all on the same album, but I think uh, uh, the, the mood, the mood, hopefully, is sustained um, throughout the whole thing. I'm just—I was just as you. Oh, is it? Is Summer by War on there? Uh, no. Oh well, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Probably shouldn't be on there. I missed one. I, I, I missed one. <laughs> Sorry? I said I missed one. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a very subjective compilation. So oh, probably got easier to do a volume two. But, uh, it was just, it's, uh, okay, let, pretend I didn't say that this far. <laughs> I don't know Summer by War, though. So I don't know, maybe, yeah, it might it, well be perfect. It's like I'm still finding um, finding tracks for it quite late on, which, which just really sort of fitted the mood. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They sound like they're just about to expire from the heat on it. Oh, and, well, that's, that's perfect. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll have to give it a listen. Anyway, uh, your rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's been lovely as ever. Uh, thank yeah, you very much. For, um, you're quite far away, so obviously I get to, I don't get to see so much these days. It's always lovely to catch up and. Uh, 
and this is a, a beautiful piece of work uh, uh, occasional rain uh, it's uh, is it out or it'll probably be out by the time this is uh, this is what the, the people are listening to it on these isn't it this end of end of May is it yeah oh. I think it's uh, last Friday in May it's coming out I think fantastic well, it's going to do really well because obviously anyone who bought um, um, the um, uh, I was going to say occasional rain English weather anyone who bought English weather is clearly going to want to get this as well because you know it's just uh, it completes the set very nicely. Uh, so thank you very much. I'm no, going to... Cheers, lovely talking to you. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to us talking about um, occasional rain and about um, all the other stranger diversions in between. Uh, you've been listening to the Ace Podcast. I'm Pete Perfides, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. For more excellent music, you can scoot over to the Ace Records website, www.acerecords.co.uk, for all the wonderful music you could possibly need.